Okay, mic check, one, two, one, two, one, two. Uh, yeah, let's get it. Okay, so if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. crazy, 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 crazy. so much noise happening outside of my window. This nigga's out here trimming the hedges. It is almost 7.30 p.m., sir. What have you done? Where have you been? Yes, it's still loud outside, but like, some people are trying to record a fucking show. But anyway, welcome to Avengers in Black Cinema, y'all. My name is Desmond Thorne, and I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day as we try to drown out this man trimming these hinges. I just want to talk about a little tradition that I have. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about tradition today in our episode as we get into our film. And I have this tradition, I realized, that on Tuesday, I have an order of things that I need, you know, all ready to go. I think because I've worked in restaurants so much, I do think about things that are needed around the apartment and things that I need for myself, kind of in the way of inventory. I see we getting low on something, I put that shit in a court, and then on Tuesday, I put that order in and it comes on Wednesday. We don't like to support Jeff Bezos, but goddamn, that shit is so convenient. I just need someone to get this nigga's ass for this tax evasion shit. It is so crazy. My roommate was just listening to a podcast about how he gets away with not paying taxes. It's crazy. The audacity of the caucasity. But anyway... My usual Tuesday order went in today, and one of the things I got were fucking shorter workout shorts, because y'all, like I said last week, these white boys are, oh, not just white, actually, actually, honestly, these straight white boys are out here on these streets wearing short shorts, so that to me feels like appropriation of gay culture, and, you know, of ladies always doing their thing constantly. So I had to raise the bar on these motherfuckers. Right now, I have some like seven inch inseams and they're making me look super straight. But it's Pride Month. I'm out here with thighs out, baby. It is the time. So I ordered some three inch seam shorts for the gym. And they're coming along with like recycling bags that we need to recycle our cardboard because that's how it gets. But yeah, y'all, June is a big, big month for queer folks, and it is a big month and time for Black people, too. I mean, we have Pride going the entire month of June, and then we also have Juneteenth, which at this point, I will say, was on June 19th. By the time this episode is out, Juneteenth would have happened on this past Saturday. 
But yeah, these two events are so linked to tradition and to pride. You know, I was hanging out with some friends this weekend who are all in various stages of their coming out journeys, of their being comfortable journeys with themselves. And, you know, it was Brooklyn Pride on June 12th, so I went and hung out with a bunch of the homies. And seeing and being around other queer people is so important. And to see and feel the different stages that people are at, you know, like hearing how old people were when they came out, hearing about people's early relationships, hearing about certain things that only queer people do that sometimes you're just like, am I bugging? And then you talk to another queer person, you're just like, no, I'm not bugging. Like, this is how we are. This is how our lives tend to be. And I think it's so important to connect with that community with so much intention over the course of the month. And of course, hoping that that breeds more and more and more connection between each other. And Black folks with Juneteenth, we will get way more into what Juneteenth is. If you don't know what it is, or if you want to know more about it, we will be getting into the actual event and what it means a lot during the show. But I think it's also connected to being part of a group that has been through so much, so much death, so much torture in various ways to this day and so much shame put onto us by society that we do need to take these large moments intentionally to have pride and to celebrate for something that many people think is shameful. And you know, to have both of those as a black queer person is very, very special. So I'm gonna be rocking my three inch like fire engine red bitch shorts to the gym and I'm excited and I just, you know, hope they fit and that they don't rip. Oops, I guess I ripped my pants again. And I'm so proud to be queer. I'm so proud to be black and I'm so proud to celebrate both of these things. And speaking of these things, greetings from Fort Worth, Texas. Today's episode is called Adventures in Talent and Tradition, and we will be getting into the nitty-gritty of the film Miss Juneteenth. But first, a new little segment that I want to try called Let's Talk About. In the Heights. In the Heights. In the Heights. Okay, so I told y'all last week that I was about to see In the Heights by the time that episode was released. So I have now at this point seen In the Heights. And there is a very important discourse happening around this film. I am so glad that it is happening It is a conversation that I have had on this show a few times in terms of how the issues of colorism pervade in black cinema. So it's great to see the conversation also happening about Latin cinema because this is something that's been happening for eons. This idea of lighter-skinned Latin folks getting jobs over darker-skinned Latin folks. It is so similar in Black film. And also, not only that, 
the good and evil tropes, right? The desexualized and oversexualized tropes. Very classic example. We're talking about West Side Story, y'all. Maria light skin. In fact, she was played by a white woman. She is the angelic character. Anita has a little bit more sad. She's a bit more brassy. Of course, played by the legendary Rita Moreno. She won an Oscar for that role. She was incredible. And it is not the fault of these actors that they ended up being in this situation where they are playing these tropes. And it's honestly, I think, the same thing in the remake as well. This remake of West Side Story, which like doesn't stand a chance, y'all. Doesn't stand a fucking chance. It looks like booty. booty, booty, booty so booty. in the Heights, we are, there's a few things going on here, right? One thing that's happening is that the number of films that are made by and about black folks, Latin folks, Asian folks, Middle Eastern folks, pretty much anyone who isn't white, right? needs to have the opportunity to tell more stories at this level. This is a huge studio Warner Brothers film. But how many of those ever happen? So at some point, you're kind of setting yourself up to have to represent everybody because everybody is looking for themselves because this is the one like this is the one we don't get fucking 10 latin blockbusters every year we don't get 10 black huge budget films every year so we are all as communities looking to truly see ourselves in these films and so when you don't do that. A very easy fix is let there be more of them so that each film doesn't have to speak for an entire community at all times. So you would see in the Heights and you'd be like, oh, well, Lynn, Lynn kind of low-key been on that colorism shit. Low-key for a second. (laughs) But this other person over here is doing dope shit and they are actually hiring dark-skinned Afro-Latin folks in their films to tell these narratives. There would be more of a choice. So it wouldn't be so much on the shoulders of one film. And also, bruh, this shit is about Washington Heights. Like, how are you even truthfully telling this story without a ton of Afro-Latin people? I mean, you're already setting yourself up for failure if you're trying to represent a community with accuracy and you just so don't do that on so many levels. It's, it's not surprising, but it is something that needs to change. And I think that energy, we need to be directing at these execs these heads of studio, these casting directors, these directors, I think they're also, in a lot of cases, there just needs to be so much more conversation about this, to be perfectly honest, because also something that you're feeding into in this particular situation is the fact that there is a lot of racism onto darker-skinned Dominican folks from lighter and whiter-skinned Dominican folks. So there is a whole, whole history at play here. And honestly, I know there's Dominican people in the cast, but 
I don't know. My friend who's a bartender at Nighthawk, LEL, he mentioned a really good point about there not being a lot of Dominican actors in this project. And I think that's also another conversation to be had as well. And yeah, I thought the movie was done well in terms of it being a movie musical, but this is a conversation that we need to keep having and to keep pushing forward because even on the suggestions of people that I've seen, there just needs to be more out here, just more, 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 more representation. I want more of these movies made by us, for us at this level. And then within those, more diversity, more inclusion, just more, 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 more. We cannot continue to be satisfied with the one or two that they throw at us and expect us to be, I and feel represented for the year 2021. Uh, they should be okay. We gave them in the heights. They should be all right. They should be all right. Nah, let's, let's do more, y'all. Let's do more. So we talked about it. <laughs> I, feel, I feel nice about that. So after this ad break that we have here, we will be getting into the nitty gritty of Miss Juneteenth. So stay tuned. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of Miss Juneteenth, things happen so quickly, like not soon long after I recorded talking about In the Heights and, you know, talking about Rita Moreno and West Side Story and shit, Rita Moreno gonna say some dumb shit on the Stephen Colbert show because, you know, Lin-Manuel is one of her producers on her documentary and their friends and everything. And she's basically coming out with the, yes, there are darker-skinned Latinos, but, like, wait your turn. Sis. No. 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 And the excuses that she came up with were just, like, sad because as she was saying them, you could tell she so firmly believed them. Like, she's trying to push her film and the fact that Lynn produced it. And also, like, she believes what she said, which is sad because, you know, she a legend. She's so talented, and it's disappointing to hear those views from her. And also, looking at her, I'm like... Did they darken her skin for West Side Story? Because she really ain't that dark either. Like, damn. Well, anyway, on to the nitty gritty. So Miss Juneteenth was directed by Channing Godfrey Peoples. It was released in 2020. And here's a little summary of the film if you haven't seen it. It is a hidden gem, so there may be many of you who haven't peeped this film yet. This film tells the story of Turquoise Jones, who's played excellently by Nicole Bahare. 
And Turquoise is known throughout her area in Fort Worth for being crowned Miss Juneteenth in 2014, which is the highest honor that a young black woman can receive in town. And one of the biggest things that you receive when winning this competition is a full ride to any HBCU of your choice. Oh my God. Turquoise feels as if she didn't live up to the title of Miss Juneteenth. She never finished school because she had a daughter at the time named Kai fairly soon after. And now Turquoise works paycheck to paycheck at a bar and a mortuary. Now Turquoise's daughter Kai is 14 and she's played by Alexis Chikese. And Kai is now eligible to participate in the Miss Juneteenth competition. So naturally, Turquoise wants Kai to enter and live her dreams of success through her daughter and provide a better life for her than she feels like she ended up having. The problem is Kai isn't very enthusiastic about the competition or the talent that Turquoise wants her to perform at the competition. And on top of all these things happening, Turquoise also has pressure on her to pay the bills and to also work through her relationships with her ex-ish husband, played by the beautiful Kendrick Sampson, and her alcoholic, church-addicted mother, played by Lori Hayes. Now, the subplot with Turquoise's mother is so incredibly interesting. We will get into the dreams of success and life that Turquoise wants to have for Kai, and you really see part of the reason she wants that really being her mother and the patterns that her mother has. It is... It's truly something, you know, there's this scene with a prayer circle that the mother basically lures Turquoise and Kai into. It's so crazy, and yet it's done with such a sense of realism and groundedness that it feels so, so incredibly real, like... This character is really great, really, really great supporting character. You see just enough of her, and it's great. And Lori Hayes is great, and Nicole is fucking great with her, you know? Here's a couple quick fun facts about this film. So the Miss Juneteenth pageant is actually a real thing that happens. The director, Channing Godfrey Peoples, attended many of them when she was in Fort Worth growing up. I don't know if she participated in any, but I love using this event as a gaze into the traditions of black folks. What are things about these traditions that have changed? What are things from these traditions that we want to hold on to and keep? And which ones do we want to kind of fizzle away? And such a great look into a mother-daughter relationship and what life is like there from her perspective. It's really, really great. It's so great. Second fun fact is that this film won the 2020 Jury Prize at the Black Star Film Festival. And again, a reminder that I had the founder of the Black Star Film Festival, Maori Holmes, on when we were talking about Judas and the Black Messiah. Great, great film festival. Uh, Love seeing that this one there. 
This film was nominated for four Independent Spirit Awards. It was the winner of Best Actress for Nicole Bahari at the Gotham Awards. It was the winner of Best Directorial Debut and in the list of Top 10 Indie Films at the National Board of Review. And this film was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance, which is when I first heard about this film. My first experience watching it was at the end of last year. You know, every year I kind of do a a catch up of things that I've missed over the year. And I missed Miss Juneteenth. It was released digitally during the beginning of the pandemic, I believe, or right before it started. I don't remember there being a big theatrical release for this, though I would love to see it in a theater. And I'd heard so much about Nicole Bahari's performance, and I was absolutely floored. I have to say, this is such a natural and lived-in performance. You feel like you know so much about Turquoise, and you want to get to know more about her from the very beginning. She gives us such a real portrayal of this woman and what she's going through. And it's honestly not something that you see a lot come awards season. There's no big, showy, grabby, emotional scenes where she tears somebody apart or does anything like that. So I think it's harder for them to recognize. And also, this film is pretty small. It made a very, very big splash for a film of this size. You know, though Nicole Bahari and Kendrick Sampson are pretty well known at this point, especially in terms of black film and media and television and activism on part of Kendrick, that the fact that this film made it as far as it did is quite incredible and a film that really is not about the trauma of black people. It is really about this mother-daughter relationship and the beautiful nature of that, as well as the way that life can be just normally, you know? So I loved Nicole's performance, and I love, love, love her chemistry with Kendrick Sampson. It is so gorgeous. First of all, they're a really hot couple. They are so, so hot. They're the kind of couple that you want to see at a bar during summer 2021, and they come over to you and say that they like your vibe. Like, yes, Though the way the relationship is portrayed, you see the reasons why they're good for each other and why they're not good for each other in some ways. And that, again, just feels so real to me. And Nicole's chemistry with Alexis Chikese, who plays Kai, her daughter, is just some of the best mother-daughter chemistry I think I've seen on screen, period. Especially in terms of a Black mother and daughter I mean, this relationship feels so specific. The ups and downs, the love, the... Oh, my God, it's just so good. It's so good. So let's get into these themes of talent and tradition. So first off, for those who don't know, let's break down Juneteenth a little bit right now. So... Juneteenth took place on June 19th, 1865, 
And this is the date that enslaved people found out that they were free in Texas. Because if you know your history, in 1862, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and it went into effect on January 1st, 1963. So everyone who had a big union presence and that was accessible knew about the Emancipation Proclamation and that they had to free the slaves that they owned. However, in Texas, there weren't a lot of Union soldiers around, and it was also mad far away. So it took them up until 1865, which was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect. It took them up until that time for a Union Army general named Gordon Granger, who was a Scorpio, to get down to Texas and to let the people know that they were free. So this is a very important date for several reasons. This was, you know, the last major group to find freedom. And there was also ratification of an amendment that had to go into effect as well. But this is the day that they found out. And a large reason why Texas, people in Texas probably knew about this, but didn't do anything about it, didn't do anything to free the slaves after they had been freed by the Emancipation Proclamation, is because of the evils of capitalism and white racism, because slaves made up about 30% of the population. So like in many other places, they were very, very big in terms of the economy, you know, free fucking labor and such. So the people in Texas were not trying to let slaves go for those reasons. So it's interesting that something that was so driven by capitalism like slavery and like this decision to not let slaves know that they were in fact free is a very interesting thought to have for the kind of classism that can be represented within some of these Juneteenth celebrations. I think that Atlanta hit the nail right on the head with their Juneteenth episode, directed, by the way, by Janixa Bravo, whose upcoming Zola is coming to theaters. I can't wait to see Zola. And so this episode, this Juneteenth episode, Donald Glover's character is going to a Juneteenth party with Vanessa, who's played by Zazie Beetz. And they are attending a Juneteenth celebration at a very wealthy black society home and of course the woman who is hosting the party who is black her husband is white and he feels like he's the most down white person ever so this episode encapsulates a very big feeling on what has happened with some of the black high society groups like that episode reminded me so much of jack and jill and like cotillions and stuff that i saw from some black folks in our community and it's interesting that something that was so tied up in money has become this tradition that does, in a lot of ways, cost a lot of money. And that is what Turquoise is dealing with in this film by 
putting her daughter through the Miss Juneteenth competition. This woman is working from paycheck to paycheck to buy things like the dress for the competition, to put her daughter Kai through the proper quote-unquote schooling through this Miss Juneteenth competition. You know, it's interesting that you see scenes of the things that they're learning, and they're learning things like proper etiquette and things like that that do seem very rooted in Eurocentric ideas. So it's interesting to see Channing present this side of the competition to us and kind of say that this tradition and being able to show these talents and being able to uplift these young Black women is such a great thing. And at the same time, there are things about it that feel a little like, I mean, definitely classist for sure. And that can be a very big issue in our community and is presented so well here, you know, even presented through this idea of success, right? So one of the things that the competition school does is takes the young women to the Juneteenth Museum that is in Fort Worth. So they're looking around, learning about the history, and also learning about the previous Miss Juneteenth winners and the success that they have gone on to in life. The things that they've done, doctors, wife of a politician, litigator, lawyer, like it is just a list of all these great quote unquote successes. And they, though turquoise is on the wall, they don't talk about her success. And that is part of, I think, what is driving turquoise to get Kai into this competition because she wants her daughter to be seen like a success like these other women are. And it's so interesting that in this society, from the point of view of the people who are running the Miss Juneteenth competition, she isn't seen as a success in the way that they are viewing successes. But if you see the way that Turquoise is regarded by mostly everyone else in town who isn't part of that world, she is so highly regarded. People love her and she is a success. She is raising a daughter pretty much on her own from a very young age. There's probably about 16 to 18 years between them. So Turquoise has been hustling. Her mother is not much of a help. Her ex-ish husband is a help at times. And those are times where you see the ways in which their relationship and the co-parenting does work. And, you know, Kai's father is in her life, but the mother-daughter bond there is, like I said, very special. And that comes from having this very intimate, one-on-one, for the most part, relationship. So Turquoise is absolutely a fucking success. I mean, she's doing one of the hardest jobs out there. Being a single parent to a growing child is not easy by any stretch of the imagination at all. So I love, love, love how this is presented in this film, this idea of success and these class systems that work within the black community, I think are very important things to see. And it's important to see, you know, the reasons behind what is driving turquoise 
to do this for her daughter. There is, in terms of tradition, a very big, I wouldn't call it a pressure, but an expectation in the Black community to carry on this legacy that we have. Because like I said, we have been through so much as a people and we are so fucking resilient. It is unreal how resilient that we are. So passing down our history is very important and passing down these traditions is very important. So I feel like Turquoise wanting Kai to be part of the Miss Juneteenth competition is part of that. And it's also this dream that all parents have for their children's life to be better than theirs was and how Turquoise feels that hers has ended up. And it's very interesting because when parents try to do that with you, especially when you're a teenager and such, it's really so much more about them than it is about you and what you actually want to do and what your passions are. So this kind of sort of happened with me a few times, and it ended up in a good way. So my mom always wanted me to do essay competitions and writing competitions and such. I used to really, really, really hate writing. I didn't really like writing anything until I was in the 10th grade when I had a really dope teacher who taught me how to write. So my mom was always entering me in these things and I'm like, uh, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna write for anything outside of school. And a lot of times, well, one time I should say, it was for something church related. And I was like, I really don't wanna write this. And it was cool that she ended up kind of pushing me to do this thing that bought out a talent in myself that I did not know that I had. And I ended up winning that fucking competition. (laughs) I still have this big ass trophy and a similar thing to when I was doing this competition through the NAACP called AXO, which is a high school competition where everyone, you know, brings in different talents, there's different categories, writing, dancing, singing, acting, everything like that. So I really wanted to do acting and I wanted to do singing. And my mom and my godmother also convinced me to do writing, which again, I didn't want to do, but I ended up getting a fucking silver medal at the state level for that uh, essay. I think I wrote about my dad. So, you know, it's interesting because both of my parents are writers. My dad ended up having a career in writing, but my mom did not. So I feel like pushing me to do that was because it was something that she was very passionate about and she wanted me to be passionate about it and to go further than she ended up going with it, even though she has a published book so and still writes to this day. So that's kind of the struggle that's going on between Kai and Turquoise in this movie, trying to keep up this tradition and trying to push Kai's life further than hers went. There is also this really, really great scene that brings to mind something in this theme of tradition in which Turquoise is talking to the owner of the barbecue bar that she works at. And he's basically telling her that, like, American dreams don't count for Black people. We have to hold on to what we have. And that is so true. I think that's why... Juneteenth is so important 
because, of course, the big event of freedom for our ancestors, and also that began the tradition of holding on to what we have. We could really start start to have things slowly but surely. I mean, we're still slowly but surely trying to have these things to hold on to. And the thing that I love about this idea of tradition and parents' dreams and these talents that come into play is that I love how this film ends. Kai still does the poem, but she finds a way to do it her way. She finds a way to use her talent that she wants to do. She finds a way to kind of meld and bridge her mom's dream and her dream, to not totally discount it, but to use it in her favor and to use it through the gift and talent that she wants to use. It's a very beautiful way to end the film. And I appreciate that the film ends in a way that feels realistic and feels that like everyone is moving forward in a way that is unexpected, but in a way that will be so good for them. Turquoise, being able to be part owner of the business that she works at is incredible. To be part of a black business that is black owned, not owned by the banks and working to that, living that dream, having her daughter, having her relationship with her daughter and still having that as a new dream to have and her daughter moving forward with her life as well. And that's kind of the way that life is. You have these dreams, you have these expectations, you work toward them and And if you believe that you can succeed, something's going to happen for you. And that is something that I am trying to learn and work through right now as new things are beginning to happen in my life to just believe in myself, believe in my success, and believe that I'm going to kill it. And that is something that our ancestors definitely passed down to us. And that is a tradition that we need to keep consistent in our lives throughout generations. So in conclusion, this film is fantastic and it says so much in subtle ways. The storytelling is so simple and effective. I can't wait to see more from Channing Godfrey Peoples and I hope she brings us more Texas stories, little Texas stories like this. This was fantastic. There is so much black joy present in this film, even among the struggle. And I think that that is very, very, very important. I think there is struggle in our lives, there's struggle in everyone's life, but it is so important to show black joy, black community, and black unity in these films. It's very rare to see such an honest and beautiful portrayal of a mother-daughter relationship in film, especially in black film. Hats off to Nicole Bahare just excellent in every single frame, every single moment. And I feel like she's going to be getting a huge bouquet of roses soon. This film is now available to stream on Canopy and BET Plus on Prime. And I feel like I've mentioned Canopy before and need to mention how folks can get it because this is a streaming service that is free with a library card outside of New York State. If you have a library card outside of New York State, 
sign up for this service. It's Canopy with a K. You get eight movies per month that you can watch for free with your library card. It's an excellent service. They have an excellent library, including this film. So check it out. And after this next ad break, we will be getting into our You Better Act Award. All my life I had to fight. Yes. Welcome to the You Better Act Award. This is an award that I give out every single week on the show to an actor who I think is just absolutely killing it and deserving of more praise. So I bestow them with that praise on my show. But before we get into the You Better Act Award, more things have happened since I recorded. Again, surrounding what we are talking about on this episode. And what has happened is that Joe Biden is signing... Juneteenth into law as a federal holiday. So I'm just going to read this tweet that I saw because I think it perfectly explains how I feel. This tweet says, Gaslighting is making Juneteenth a federal holiday while banning critical race theory in schools, destabilizing COVID mutual aid efforts, refusing to defend and abolish police, and blocking reparations legislation. Go play in someone else's face, America. It certainly feels like one of those little band-aids that they give us every once in a while. Rather than working to solve issues, you give us this holiday as a federal holiday for everybody, which also means white people get off on this day, which they shouldn't have off on this day. And also not doing anything to help us at all. In fact, doing the opposite. So... When it smells like bullshit, it's probably bullshit. But back to the You Better Act Award. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drumroll please. Lena Bloom in Port Authority. So Port Authority was released in 2019, did its festival circuit then for the most part, and was directed by Danielle Lesovitz. This film stars Fionn Whitehead as this guy who moves to New York and kind of is lost and finds the world of ballroom. And this is where we bring in Lena Bloom, who absolutely shines in this lead role as Y. She is absolutely, absolutely incredible, carrying on the talent and tradition, see what I did there, of ballroom. She is a legend in the ballroom scene in New York, and she is such a lovely actor and such a fucking star in this, because not only is she killing at the ballroom, she's doing some really really, really great work. And I really want to see her in more things. And I really hope that we do in the future and just continue to hear her name. So if you want to check out Port Authority, it's really beautifully done. The gaze is a little questionable because we are seeing this through the lens of a white woman who's writing directing and a white man who is the lead of the film. But watch it for Lena. She's amazing. You can rent this film on Apple TV and on Amazon. So check it out. 
So in closing for today, some food for thought, what are some kinds of things that your parents made y'all do when you were growing up that you weren't necessarily really into or didn't want to do? Comment on our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. And thank you per usual to the team. We have Amanda Seals, our executive producer. We have Matt Mozzarella on audio. And we have our production assistant, Miss Cindy Edward. Next week, we will be getting into the nitty gritty of the classic, The Best Man. So stay tuned for that. Until then, stay safe, stay black, and stay blessed. Great.